start picking up. Shall I leave him a message? Yeah. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've done that in like years. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only person that leaves me voicemails is my dad. Yeah, it's just ring me back. Welcome to the EE voicemail. I'm sorry, but the person you call is not available. Please leave your message after the tone. After you finish your message, just hang up. Or to hear more options, please press 1. Hey, buddy. We're ready to do the Moneyball podcast. Uh, Just wondering if you will be joining us. Uh, Drop us a message on the Facebook group or something. Uh, Or, you know, we'll see you in a bit on Overwatch, I guess. Bye. Hey everyone and welcome back to Real Film Club. Uh, we like sports and we don't care who knows. Uh, this week we watched uh, Moneyball. I'm your host Rob. I'm joined by Matt. Hello. Sab. Hello. And Guffers. Hello. I get the short straw this week. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Sounds top right this time. So. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched Moneyball. Uh, one of my favourite films. I think I've spoken to about it quite a lot on um, our 2011 video podcast um, about how much I like it. Um, should we go around the table and say... So, Matt, you've, you've seen this before. Yeah. Uh, you really like it. Yeah, I've seen this a good few times. So, um, like, Aaron Sorkin, who co-wrote this film, um, is, like, one of my favourite writers. Like, he did, like, Social Network, which... The more... Th- like, I always forget about it, but then I do think that's probably in one of my top five films of all time. Like, I absolutely love that film. Um, and a big part of it is, like, the writing in it. So, when... Like after that, like I'd never really heard of him before that, but afterwards, um, I did keep an eye on like what he was doing next and stuff, and like this was this was like what he did next, um, and I think like the writing is something that really stands out in this film, like the characters and like just the way they speak. Like people kind of obviously always say about like Tarantino that he's really great at writing characters and it's entertaining just to listen to them speak, and and like it is, um, but they're all they are kind of like proper like characters do you know what i mean they're all like quite big and bold whereas like Sorkin kind of writes people kind of as they actually speak but manages to make it really entertaining at the same time uh which i think is great and yeah i i do like sports and i definitely don't care who knows it um so i was gonna say actually about the writing is the the so it's based on the book uh moneyball by michael lewis who um, who also wrote the big short yeah so it's kind of, ah. I think it's in this, this, I think like tonally is probably tonal, slight tonal similarities between the different stories. That's interesting, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sam, it's first time watch for you? It was, yeah. For some reason, I always had it in my head that this film was a lot older than it actually is. I don't know so why. So did I, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I've just heard references for, of it for like in just other media for ages and just subliminally i've had it in my head that it came out like early 2000s like late 90s or something but for some reason i just had it in my head that that was when the it kind of came around but um so i don't that obviously didn't inherently like put me off it it's just i always thought there were other things to watch but um no yeah i really enjoyed it i mean i can i can see now why like because i think i'd heard obviously that correct me if I'm wrong did, did jonah hill and brad pitt both get a nomination for an oscar for this uh, Jonah Hill just, definitely did because it's yeah. like a famous joke in it. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, that's because that's what I'd obviously heard it from, like his performance in this, and like even from that first scene where you see Jonah Hill as uh, just in the the boardroom kind of together, like it is, it's just yeah, he's such just a 
I don't know, he's such kind of like an interesting character just from these small interactions he sort of has. And then obviously as the film progresses, he just, yeah, keeps... It was, um, it was like his first straight role as well, probably, wasn't it? I think we looked on the stream, it was like the first yeah. one where he's sort of a serious... You know, he has like comedic moments, which is first kind of serious. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean... Really impressive. If you, it's almost if you heard like, oh yeah, the kid from Superbad's going into... Uh, I don't even know something very m- more serious. It's like an Aaron totally. Sorkin film, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? Like Aaron Sorkin's got the guy from Superbad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be about statistics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which I mean, I, to be fair, I actually kind of like baseball. Um, so that, and I, I don't know, care who knows. Yeah. yeah, but I know a lot of people obviously have like a thing against baseball, thinking it's like boring and stuff like that. But I actually don't mind it. I mean, it's there are probably a few things because I mean, even on the stream, you were talking about the whole like. Like, what's a ball, what's a strike kind of thing. Like, so some of the times you're just like, wait, what What the fuck's even going on over there? Like, why is he suddenly being able to kind of make this walk or whatever? But, um, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. And then you pointed out on the stream the fact that you don't actually see too much of it. Oh, you, you're always seeing it from Brad Pitt's perspective as well, which I thought was an interesting take um, of showing this film, which essentially is a baseball film with minimal baseball, or obviously a lot heavier on the statistics, which... I mean, statistics are cool. Uh, I'm a big fan of st- statistics, <laughs> even though I can't say it. Yeah. I love it. It's a hard one to say that. Bunch of nerds. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say statistics quite a lot in presentations. And, I, and you're, you're like, you know you're going to have to say it. I'm like, just right. Say, mm. Just be cool and say stats. Stats, yeah. <laughs> I do, I do say, say stats now. But it's, uh, Rob just thinks yeah. he's like a bad boy at the, at the university. Like, comes in with his sunglasses on kicking over test tubes like yeah give me the stats bro <laughs> sitting on chairs backwards yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we spent four weeks making those test tubes so uh, yeah. thanks for that Rob yeah. um, <laughs> have to go again now cheers do it again it's like that, <laughs> that uh, Dr. Cox in his scrubs where he just smashes up that guy's lap yeah. Oh, yeah. it's Franklin and he's like holding onto his yeah. like microscope his favourite microscope yeah uh, this was also written co-written by Stephen Zalian who did like Schindler's List and oh, wow. um, the Irishman and oh. Gangs of New York, okay, and loads of other stuff. So I've I'd, never heard. I, of I just, we, we were just like chatting about <laughs> how good Sorkin is. Uh, probably chuck mm. chuck him in there as well because he he actually is the his name is credited first. So I don't actually know if he. Uh, uh, but everyone's focusing on Sorkin because you know. <laughs> yeah, it's Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin is really good. But yeah, what's the director called? Corey's name. Uh, Bennett Miller. But he's not done a lot, has he? He's done like uh, this Foxcatcher. Yeah. Oh, has he done Foxcatcher? Yeah. So I've not seen Foxcatcher actually, but same. Foxcatcher oh, came out. Oh, God, I didn't like. I can't believe this is twenty eleven and Foxcatcher came twenty fourteen. Foxcatcher yeah. seems older than this to me for some reason. Really, I would. Uh, I would have thought that Foxcatcher is more recent. I would have thought yeah. that was like. I would have told you that was twenty sixteen. Like that's a uh, completely boggled me that that was twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think was it the start of like Steve Carell's almost like serious kind of stint because he did a few. He did a few. When, but I think when, that was, like, big, when, when was the big short? Out? When was the big short? That was twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Maybe yeah. twenty fifteen. Maybe I feel like I just feel like a lot of people were surprised when Fox Thatcher came out and they were like, "Fuck me, Steve Carell is a bastard in this." Like, yeah. yeah. Not that uh, I've the, ever seen the it. thing is though, like with the big short as well, he's still a bit funny because like yeah. his character's yeah, a bit like. Like dweeby and yeah. caricature, <laughs> dweeby. Yeah. His character's a bit dweeby and like sort of caricatured a little bit, and he's playing like this sort of like comedically straight character, you know, yeah. like he's very dry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in Foxcatcher, he's like, I've not seen it, but isn't he like borderline psychopathic? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. 
Um, but no, because he, he, it, it's something like I think that was his first like proper full on dead serious role. But in um, Little Miss Sunshine, he's like incredible in that as well. Oh, he's like, obviously, brilliant in that. Obviously, like, about that film. obviously, like very funny. But like, obviously, I don't think this is too <clears> much of a spoiler because it happens in like the, the first few seconds of the film. But he's like Fair. suicidal, yeah. and like just pulls it off like really well. I saw that. I need to watch. That's that. a magical film. I've not seen that in years. That's definitely yeah. in add the it, add it to in the need of rewatch. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's there's even bits in the office where you like. Mm. I know, like that is a sitcom, but there are bits in that where he's just so good. And you think you can see it like now. You just look back and you think, Jesus Christ, he's really good. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to do that. I was going to say as well, like you should give the. There's a really good video on Mr. Sunday Movies channel about the um, the director. Yeah. Um, and about how he uses these like cuts where he like essentially doesn't it's like a zoom but he doesn't zoom he just like cuts in um which is very explained on that channel um probably yeah i, I am um, i've been looking credit. forward to i've been looking forward to watching that video but didn't want to until obviously watching it oh yeah um so yeah i'm gonna watch it i think yeah it's just a way like i think like he just really takes his time and like keeps the camera just really still and just kind of let stuff happen it's like a bit in the car at the very end where he just sort of mm. stays on brad pitt for so long while yep. listen to that song. That scene, um, that, that scene always reminds me of the bit in um, Captain Fantastic where Vigo's like, he's like driving on his own or is he on mm. a bus or something? He's a bit like driving that. He's driving the bus, isn't he, I think? Yeah. I've still not seen that either. I need to watch oh, that. Oh, that's, that's on Netflix now, I think. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's really Add that good. to my list in a moment. I'm well looking um, forward to that again. Yeah, Guff, this was first time for you as well, as you just mentioned. Yes, yes it was. I am, um, yeah, I really liked it. Like, I... It's interesting, isn't it, when you like hear so much praise about a film, um, and then you like you build up an idea of what it's about in your head through this so much like little, like the little like bits of information, um, and I I don't know like I'm always like pleasantly surprised when it's stuff like this because I I don't know in my head it it moved around more, but it was very it was very much like obviously just. I mean, I know he goes to like his ex-wife's house and the airport and whatnot, but it's still very contained. Like the whole film is very contained still, um, and I don't really know what that has to do with anything I'm about to say. <laughs> uh, but it's an observation I made, nonetheless. Cut it out if you want, <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. Um, yeah, I liked it. It's a good film. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I just thought it was. Um, I had to sort of like stop interacting with the stream as much though, like at the f- at first, because I was like, I noticed that I was having the sort of uh, what we were talking about with Moon, like in the very first one, where we were like, oh, you know, it's a shame that we almost had the stream because people who maybe were watching it for the first time wasn't focusing as much because that was that was in your situation, wasn't it, Sam? Where like you watched it for the first time and you were like, I don't know if you were, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, no. you know, like you were getting a bit distracted by it, but yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the same is happening for me. But I, I, I so I, I did sort of go. It's why I was five minutes behind because I was like, like we had um, my sister had come round earlier in the day and we were like saying goodbye, and I was like, well, I'm not just gonna leave the st-. like with Van Helsing. I was like, for the sake of the stream, I'll let the I'll let the film go, so I'm in time. But I've seen it a billion times, so it doesn't make a difference. But yeah, I was like, I'm 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 into this. Uh, yeah, loved it. It gave me chills a couple of times, like. I know, like, there were bits where we were saying, like, mad how stats can make you cry. Uh, <laughs> but it's, like, it was, like, I was getting, like, really sort of, like, 
you know, goosebumpy at certain points. And um, yeah, a lot of like nice surprises, like you said, like people like Jonah Hill. Um, oh, sorry, not Jonah Hill. Sorry, Chris Pratt. Uh, like him having like a fairly big role in this, not realizing that he was in this at all, so that was quite nice. Um, it's a really different role for him as well, like mm. quite straight and like low confidence role. We usually just yeah. see him just well. I wonder a charismatic, if charismatic like idiot basically. I wonder if this is this was sort of um, because I've not seen Zero Dark Thirty, but obviously he's he's got a role in that, and that's obviously a lot more a serious film. I wonder if this was sort of like his foot in that door a little bit because obviously Parks and Rec. I think he's best to attribute why he got like Guardians of the Galaxy and things like that, like you know more comedic role and stuff like that. But you know something like that it shows that he can be in. A, I mean, he was funny in it. Don't get me wrong, and he's not like he's not got any like mad serious bits. But you can sort of there's that bit so, where he says like, "What's your biggest fear?" He's like, "The ball coming anywhere near me." Like, yeah, like, love that bit. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you said it on the stream. It's very Andy Dwyer that, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's very very Andy Dwyer. But yeah, I loved this. I really liked it. Matt, do you have your hand up something? No, I was playing with a pen. All oh, right, I thought you were like, I'll, talk, I'll talk about how Brad Pitt has a pen like attached to his shirt. At one <laughs> I, I remember, I, yeah, like, you made a point the about maddest that. thing ever. Like, no, <laughs> the, no, no one. Like, the maddest thing ever. Like, putting a biro in your collar—that's mad. It is mental. Put it behind your you ear or something. Shit crazy. Why is it like on your, like just round your t-shirt? It's mad. Totally mad. Can we talk about Brad Pitt? I, I think I said this on our previous podcast, and I've said this before, but, like, he's, like, there's, like, two sides to him. There's, like, movie star Brad Pitt, and then there's, like, Brad Pitt where you don't see Brad Pitt anymore. And I think you said yeah. it, Matt. This, like, this yeah. is the one of the few roles that you watch, yeah. and you don't see him as Brad Pitt. You see him yeah. as a character. Yeah, same as Big Matt, Short. Uh, yeah. Really well. mm. Ad Astra as well, like, is another one for me where he's just so, like, in the role. And he's so such. it's quite an understated performance. There's, there's very few bits in this where he's, like, that animated. There's like a few bits where he just throws furniture around four or five times. I think you said the stream, Sam, you were like, Brad Pitt throws a lot more stuff around this than I thought yeah. he's going no, to. No, definitely. Like for, for, I mean, I know he's a former baseball player, but I was like, mate, he's fucking, that's chairs getting wrecked around yeah. here. I feel like that's like a good representation of like managers in sport, though, from the very little I know, but like from what I've seen of like documentaries and like um, sort of other biopics. And like just my, even. <laughs> I'm gonna compare this to something really stupid now, but even even when I was in like football as a child, you would see people, grown men, get so much more aggressive about children's football than I thought possible. I remember being like, "Y'all need to grow up." That's just sport in general. I remember when I used to play cricket, we used to have a guy who was a coach that was genuinely like insane. Um, and we played another team and we lost and the changing rooms were just like had a thin wall between them so and we, we must have been like I stopped playing cricket at 16 so it was well before then and I, I had a break in between and this was my first stint so probably 12 and he was just swearing at us and chucking stuff around and going absolutely mental um, to the point where one of the te- one of the other teammates was a patient of my dad's and like he like said to my dad like oh do you know what he was saying to him all and stuff like that. And I remember my dad being like yeah if that carries on like yeah tell me because <laughs> I'll go and have a word with him because it was just like genuinely mental. It's th- mad though that like where it's like 
stuff. Anyway, I'm not, let's I not think, dwell on children's football. I did. Yeah, I did terrible that's, memories that's of children's bad. football. Yeah. I think the passion of Brad Pitt shows. Oh right, good yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's the yeah. good side of it. Yeah, yeah. but that, that, I mean, I, I I got it in my notes that like that scene. Well, I've got a different scene in the locker room is like in my notes, but like I suppose the contrast between the two, like the scene in the locker room, because the one I've, I've made a note of that I really enjoyed is sort of towards the end, like before they play. Well, once he's sort of gone round and he's, uh, well, you know, like he says earlier on in the film, he doesn't mingle with the players because it's easier to cut. And then you sort of get that. And it doesn't, I think that's one nice thing is you get that moment where he is going to each of them and getting more involved and talking to them and sort of explaining what he wants them to do. Almost like he's gone, He's. it's almost like he's trusted the statistics and gone, uh, from what we've seen in the film at that point is, uh, we've brought you in. You're going to do this. And there's not really an explanation why, but it's in that scene where he... And obviously, the coach doesn't agree, things like that. Um, well, what's his name now, the coach? His name's completely escaped me. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's the one, yeah. Um, who is also <clears throat> like really great in this, I think. like Really, really good. Um, but yeah, like that, that bit where he's like mingling and obviously he gets to know the players and the shot, the like sort of tracking shot through the locker room towards the end where he's like... He's just going through and you can see him like, you know, I think the first thing he says is like, what are you going to do tomorrow? And the guy responds with like what they talked about. And it's like this nice little moment where he's actually sort of got to know the players a little bit. Um, but it doesn't feel like forced. It doesn't feel like really uplifting in any way. It's just like really sort of grounded and it's really honest to the character. But I mean, yeah, when you compare that to the scene in the locker room where he's like launching shit around and it's like, I don't know, it's just so... I, I think he got the relationship of like that of like Brad Pitt to other characters so well because he is such a like recluse almost like he's such a introvert and like I think you said it a few times Rob that he just doesn't know how to talk to people like he's got shit rousing speeches <laughs> there's a bit um, where it's just like so you're a winning team so go up there and win and yeah. he walks off and everyone's like what the fuck was that <laughs> yeah it's brilliant I, I love that I thought it was really good well, I, think, I think what's what's great about it, kind of what you were touching on a little bit there is like that literal bit where he's like it's a process, it's a process, it's a process. Like that whole thing of that it's not an instant thing that happens in this film. Like a lot of American sports films it is. It's like someone gives an amazing speech and everyone's suddenly like, we believe in ourselves so we can do anything and we're going to go and win and we're going to do this. And that and that kind of is the whole sentiment of the whole film that that's what American sport is based on. <laughs> Obviously, you've got to be talented to be a professional sports person, but there is that kind of thing of if you believe enough, then you can achieve anything you want to achieve that's kind of instilled in like American sport from like quite a young age and stuff. It's the Friday Night Lights thing where if they say, if they say the catchphrase, they win the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And and this film, obviously the point of what the money ball journey is, is that that's not how you win. You can win by statistics and averages and building kind of a collective unit rather than a whole bunch of like superstars and stuff. But I just like that it never comes down to a big moment of, we need to make a speech and you know, that's when we win that 20th game in the streak or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. no, cause that's not how it happened. It's just little bits, little bits, little bits. Um, and I think like a lesser film maybe would have, um, dramatized that moment before that 20th game where they won like the streak a bit more maybe. And they would have gone like, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe had Brad Pitt go in and make a speech and then they go and win. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, they, like other directors and writers would have taken like an artistic license to have that big 
stirring moment sort of thing where whereas this film doesn't and it definitely works better because it doesn't and the effective stirring moment is Brad Pitt on his own not at a game just driving in a car sort of thing well like on the back of that like you're absolutely right but like I think they still achieve that sort of Hollywood sport moment like the build up and then like sort of you know because that that whole sort of uh, I think it's probably like maybe 20 minutes from the end um, where it's like uh, you know, because I've got it here, like when you know um, they have won the nineteen games in the row, and uh, his ex-wife calls him and he's in the car, and is that like his superstition? Does he go to a certain place? Does it explain much? But it's like that's his superstition where he goes to a certain place I at the start of a game. Isn't it just that he feels like he's 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 a curse? So if he watches the game, they'll lose the match or something. Yeah, yeah. So oh, he, right. So he's just going. He's, he's also just working going out elsewhere. most of the time as well. Yeah. Like throughout yeah. the whole, most of the games he goes and just works out. Yeah. Which the I won't take credit for this, but the Mister Sunday Movies video pointed out that it's part of the process. Like he's working out while it's happening, and they were like, it's like uh, yeah. part of that. And then there's a bit. It's a metaphor. Towards, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a metaphor. And then there's a bit. I think it's a. I think it's that game, the twentieth game, where he's not working out for that game. Yeah. And that's kind of mm. the one where they get the streak. Something. Yeah, like that. yeah, because it was saying like the the work's done now. They're yeah. That like you know. He doesn't need oh, to work out anymore because he's it's there's no no more work to do anymore. It just need it just needs to happen now. Yeah, sort of thing. I like I, I like the uh, the sort of bit that his daughter says where she's like, yeah, no, turn around, go back, like you're being like almost like you're being daft, like you've like j- stop it, like you see superstition, mm. like go, go, go to the game. Because yeah, it's like he doesn't. Um, he, it's like he doesn't. He loves this sport. Like obviously he's played it yeah. since he was like a child, and he. Um, you know, was a professional player and stuff like that. So obviously, presumably, he loves this sport, but he doesn't get the gratification of ever watching it. Like, yeah, he gets the gratification of seeing the wind down on a piece of paper, which I think is really, again, really weird kind of non-romantic side of sport. Like, like I always like it if... So, I mean, Manchester United fan, if I don't watch a game and I Google it and we've won, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, we won. But that that thrill is so much less than if I'm watching the game or if I'm at the game and I'm like, it's such a strange thing that he he puts in this work and all this time and all this effort to build these teams and then um, for uh, for what a lot of people would look at it doesn't get that end satisfaction of watching the team win. He just gets a phone call or a text or sees it on a bit of paper saying, "Yeah, we won." See, it's like a it's clearly like a bit of a love hate relationship in it, but like. It, I always it, it's almost like he's been in it so long that it's like just family where he's like I don't have or he's like a, an old friend he's like I don't have to see it all the time but as long as I know what's going on and like I know it's okay yeah <laughs> it's almost like that like attitude but I was gonna say like uh, like to go back to my point about like sort of like the big sort of artistic license moment like you say um you still get that incredible moment where obviously it's all about it looks like it's going tits up and then you've got Chris Pratt gets brought up to um to bat and he obviously gets that home run and it's just the the tension in that bit and I, oh I love I love the shot where like pretty much as soon as you hear the crack of the bat it's just that shot of Brad Pitt looking up in the in the locker room yeah, yeah. and like that sort of and like that is a really sort of sports film moment um rivals the mighty ducks too <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it's like, it, it, it proper lifts you up in that moment, like a sports film does. But 
it never compromises, which I think is like amazing because it's like, yeah, you said like you said you could get that you could get that rousing speech and then that moment, mm-hmm. but it's still like it, I I got chills when that moment happened. It's such a such a powerful scene that bit. I love it. Yeah, like the build up to that as well. Like you were talking about like the process, process, process sort of thing. Um, like the score in that bit as well, just the way that that builds mm. for like. I don't know how because it kind of builds and then he kind of drops out for a scene and then it goes back into it again. Yeah. And the way that builds up is just so good. Yeah. Uh, the score in this is really good. It's so like repetitive, which is obviously like part of the process. And the way it just sort of yeah. gets laid up as long it goes on is so good. Um. I do want to mention a couple of my favourite scenes. Um, there's the one at the very end, uh, which I think is probably my favourite scene with Joan Hill, where you know they've lost the. I don't know if it's like what's like play not the playoff. Is it a playoff last, game? Last last game in the series. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it's structured, but yeah. So they've won all these games in a row, and they don't win the world title. I don't know whatever it is. Um, they don't win the baseball. Yeah, they don't <laughs> win the baseball in the end, and Jonah Hill sort of takes him into his little root yeah. an- analysis room. And shows in the video of the fat guy who like what, what, yeah that is a good scene um, who is always trying to get to first base and sort of rarely hits the ball and he hits the ball and doesn't even look and runs off uh, like legs it to first base and just sort of dives in um, and doesn't realize that he's hit a home run and then like, Joan Hill's like it's a metaphor <laughs> I know it's a metaphor <laughs> yeah. also is it's, that like. Is that real footage? Because obviously they do use some real footage in this. I think all like the baseball's baseball real footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Apart, That's really apart cool. from like the the only bits aren't like Chris, Pratt. Chris yeah. Pratt bit and the bit where Billy yeah, Bean's watching awesome. everything else is. So Chris Pratt is. Um, I think like in this video on Miss Sunday Movies, he was saying Chris Pratt's pretty much the only person who's playing baseball in it who has not played baseball like professionally or semi-professionally. Right. Oh, um, that's cool. And there's a, there's a really funny bit apparently where he's pitching. And uh, what's he saying? Don't be a pussy. Why is he called me a pussy? Oh, yeah, apparently yeah. the director called him a pussy like before the the, the um yeah. before the it's take. Very, so you can just see him mouthing to himself like, yeah. why is he called me a pussy for? You can yeah. see him like mouthing it. It's really weird. Yeah, he's obviously like so amped up. But you can't hear what he's saying, but it is good because he's just like obviously talking to himself. And mm. like, mm. like that's what you kind of kind of do. Do you know what I mean? Like in sport when it's not going your way. Like the amount of times you give yourself like a little pet talk or try and like, G yourself up a bit just by talking to yourself. Like it's it's a really cool little moment. I, I I do want to know what that scene looked like. Like as in like, did he? Like, <laughs> did he literally just go up to him, hand on the shoulder? Uh, you're a pussy. No. Action. <laughs> I hope he gave me like loads of notes and then yeah. just just kind of sat back and went, "You're a pussy." And Chris Brown was like, "What?" And he's like, "Nothing, nothing." I just sneezed. Do a good job. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Pussy. What? Um, <laughs> but yeah, about like metal thing, like obviously Brad like the way this kind of mirrors his like earlier career. Um, like where he's bought for really money, he's drafted really early and doesn't really make it he makes it as a professional player, but he never really reaches the heights that he thought he yeah. should have done and obviously took the contract with the was it the Yankees? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, over like a university scholarship. Um and like he's had that failure like over him his whole life, and he still feels like a failure even at the end of the film. Like he's done this amazing thing with no money compared to these big clubs, and he still thinks he's a failure. And then at the end of the film, he gets this offer from the uh, Boston Red Sox uh, for like twelve million, twelve twelve and a half million 
dollars to be their GM and use the same system as using Oakland because they see it as such a massive success as it is Mm -hmm. and he still turns it down and like in my head when you see that sort of you think you see the moment him deciding that when his daughter's playing that song for him in the car at the end because obviously he'd have to move to the other side of the country he wouldn't be with his daughter but like this time watching it I've never really thought of it this way before I saw it as him doing the decision that he did earlier in his life like again but changing it like he didn't think he was worth the money this time he, th- he thought he was worth the money last time and he was wrong so he still doesn't think he's worth it he still doesn't think he's good enough and he's scared of failing again so that's why he turns it down and maybe a bit of both I don't know but I read that into it this time that I hadn't done previously that's a really interesting take on that like I, I wouldn't have interpreted it that way that's and it, it makes it like really sad though because I think that's the ultimate thing isn't it it's, it's like I think if anyone if, you, if there's ever sort of a, a time where you've looked back and gone oh maybe if I'd done that differently and I think everyone has those. I think like this film really hits home because it's like, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, I think it really does sort of make you go like, because obviously this is a man whose decisions have absolutely, you know, brought him where he is. I mean, like, he works for a team that is doing really badly at the start of it. He's from a sort of, you know, he's in a divorced marriage. Like, he, he doesn't get to see his daughter that much, but, like, well, I suppose he does, but, like, you know, he's, he's balancing that and then, obviously, trying to do his job well, but then he's constantly just living with that thing over him. Um, I think it's, like, so sad to think about that's why he made the decision, but I think you... Like, you think, I think you bang on. Like, it seems like an absolutely reasonable thing to think. I'm Sorry, I just want to... When you mentioned the Red Sox, though, I wanted to say... I think that's one of the greatest pitches I think I've heard from like a business meeting it's like they'll all be sat on their couches in october mm. while the uh the red Sox win the world series and it's just like it's like oh you you sneaky sod that's a great yeah, it's, it's a great it's, like, it's a great pitch that fair play it's, it's that american like belief isn't it like american confidence yeah. that british people don't have yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like oh fair play yeah, yeah. they're all full of it on it's like that scene where the you know i think you mentioned it where brad pitt comes in and shouts at them all for uh uh, party when they're losing that yeah. feels like quite an American thing just to be like just having that party my pants are undone just the confidence yeah. to just do that yeah. oh, I, like, hate, I, I hate that bit so, like because I'm, I, you know, I'm like you know you can you, you know you can enjoy yourself it's not all about what's on the pitch but I'm like you guys are doing crap like go and yeah. go and sort do it somewhere out. else yeah <laughs> don't, yeah, I, I don't do it in the club room after you've literally just <laughs> lost See, I, I, I sort of interpreted that as like his love. That's that's him showing his love for the game, like in that way, where it's like, yeah, there's the business side of it, but it's like that that anger seems to come from, for me at least, again, his sort of own failure. Oh, sorry. Bloody phone going. That's professional, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, like... Um... I'm going to throw a chair around the room now because... <laughs> <laughs> that's not how we do things um... here. <laughs> But no, like that's how I sort of sort of see his love for the game, where it's like because he beats himself up about like every decision he's made, mm-hmm. and like he's he obviously he feels like he's the kind of person where had they lost while he was playing baseball, he would have beat himself up for it, um, and these people aren't. They're obviously yeah, like you say they've taken the loss and they're just like oh like a little party and like when we might see it as like oh like a lot of people might see it as like. 
oh, well, you know, let's raise our spirits a little bit. Let's have a good time. He's like, you you do not deserve your spirits raised because you've lost. And it's almost like a reflection of how he beats himself up. Yeah. That's like a really, I think yeah. that's really good. Well, he's not sort of person who lets things go, is he? Like, one thing I noticed, yeah. I've noticed it before actually, but I brought it up in the stream, like he's still wearing his wedding ring. Yeah. Mm, he's obviously yeah. not the sort of person who just like gets over stuff. Obviously stuff just stays, like obviously his wife's moved on. And living with this really uh, nice guy way. who he absolutely rips into. Weird, <laughs> Spike, with Spike Jones. Um, but yeah, he's still wearing his wedding ring throughout the whole thing, even though like there's no real hint that he wants to get back with his wife or they're going to get back together or anything like that. He's still wearing it, which you know you could say is part of his... like He doesn't really move on from stuff very well. Yeah. He just sort of lets it sort of all sort of fester inside. Yeah, I think I think he he kind of like go like thinks that everyone should have his level of passion and drive and determination, and that's like the problem with people like that that um, not everyone's going to. Yeah, and you know what I mean? Like it, like I've been in situations where I've been a bit like that, and other people are like slacking, and it is like I can like empathize with that how frustrating it is when people just don't put in that level of effort that you're willing to like to put in and it's kind of mm. like you don't want to resent them for it because you're probably going above and beyond what you need to do but at the same time you decide why can't we all just do what i'm doing <laughs> sort of thing yeah. and i think like 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 yeah billy <laughs> billy beans kind of like that that you know they're like a lot of the players probably just see it as their job and kind of how the media's been talking to them like well talking about them saying you know they're a joke like they've lost all the good players, like the general managers trying to do this mental new way of playing baseball. So they're probably like, do you know what? We're a laughing stock anyway. Of course, we're going to lose everything. Like, do you know, they're probably past caring. Like the pro's like, well, yeah, we're going to go and like just enjoy ourselves now, sort of thing, rather than actually going, what can we do to turn this around and win? Because I think at the end of the day, they know it's not going to fall down on them. It's going to fall down on mm. um, Billy Bean because it's like the bit. Um, with Philip Seymour Hoffman when he's still playing the way he wants to play the players um, and he just goes I think I think Billy Bean says to him, like, what are you doing Art and he's like I'm playing the players in a way that I can justify in job interviews next winter so because he's like I know we're going to lose every game of the season like I know we're not we're going to we're going to be bottom but I need to save my face as well which I think because you kind of see Art as a little bit of a bad guy because he's not getting on board but you're like from his perspective, he's just doing the same as Billy Bean. He probably has the same amount of passion for the sport. Oh yeah, but he, he, you no, know, he has his way. He like he believes in his way, and Billy Bean, they just have two opposite ways. And he's doing the Billy Bean's probably doing best for his job, and Art's doing what he thinks is best for his job and himself. That he will, but I like that bit that uh, Billy Bean says, "It's not on you. It's on me. If this fails, yeah. like." It's, it's on mm. me, not on you. Like, I think, because you can look at it and go, God, he is a bit like a steamroller, and he? he just comes in, sells the players cause, because because the man, because the coach is playing them and he doesn't want him to play them. He just sells them. <laughs> and you could look at him and go, God, he's a bit of a dick, isn't he? But I think because he knows it's on his head and he says that and he openly goes, this is, this is all on me. Like, if this fails, then I'm out of the game forever. I think you go, okay, well, yeah, he, he kind of gets what's going on and he's still willing to... Like willing to do it, which I think's great. Uh, I was gonna say, like, I think that sort of shows, though. Like, it feels like there's all the way through that 
it's such a fickle game. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's a lot of comparisons. Like, we kind of talked about it in La La Land a little bit, where it's like, um, Hollywood is seen as a place where it's like so fickle. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you look a bit different to your headshot or something like that, like that can sort of like ruin the audition for you and things like that. Like, there's like people will take you on face value. And it feels like this sort of talks about that a little bit where it's like, you know, a lot of the reasons some of these players that Jonah Hill suggests or, you know, su suggests against is it's like they don't pick him because he's not great in the media and he's partying a lot, but he's a re he's really good at what, you know, this element of baseball. And the only reason they're not picking him is for the media side of things and not the talent side of things. And I think that's like... I quite like the idea that it has, you know, it highlights that it's a bit of a fickle business. Um, Cause that's sort of how I interpret Philip Seymour Hoffman's reaction about the interview where it's like, where he's like, I want to apply for jobs next season and this reputation is going to fall on me. So yeah, like you say, like the, the nice thing is, I suppose the comfort for maybe Philip Seymour Hoffman in some respects is Billy Bean going, no, it's not, it's on, it's, it is on me. Um, but yeah, I thought that was like a really interesting sort of sub bit because I never would have thought that that's sort of how baseball is. Because I don't think that's how foot. I mean, I might be completely wrong because I don't know much about football, but I don't know if football works very much that way in terms of buying players. It feels very much based on how, like, how good they are, like, and that's it. Yeah. It feels like it doesn't feel like because, like, I mean, especially English footballers, it's like they're quite known for living like lavish lifestyles, and I don't think that's necessarily affected. I mean, I think clubs do buy players they think will sell the shirts and fill stadiums. Uh, they'll they'll okay, buy they'll buy a big name player, but you know they're usually a big name player because they're quite good. So yeah, they that, I think that's what I mean. Yeah. Usually comes hand in hand, but like Man United went through a phase of just buying players because they're big name players rather than because they fit into the team or the system that they were playing. Yeah, which is obviously really stupid. Um, but yeah, it, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's as statistic breakdown sort of thing as you could do with like baseball and stuff like as we were saying like Michael Carrick mm. who's like probably one of the best United players over the last I mean he's obviously retired now but over the last 10 years 15 years but his stats actually aren't like incredible but just the way he controls a game when he is is not kind of measurable in kind of statistics too much so it's kind of like that that, that, that can't be done in football as much as in baseball where seemingly you can kind of boil it down to is you know a statistic for this and we just need someone that averages this no matter what they're like or what they who they are we just need that number mm. which is interesting i think i think that's I, I like i'd like to know what baseball fans thought of this at the time because it feels like the owners because because it kind of felt like from the media in the clips that you see in the film the success is put on um, on art and the team and how like they're doing this miraculous thing not that the general manager Billy Bean's doing this miraculous thing so I'd like to know like were baseball fans are like aware at the time that this was a like or were they kind of going wow art, what is what is this coach getting out of this crap team that this general manager's put together do you know what I mean were they kind of seeing it as a success for him as a coach or were they going wow this weird system actually kind of works because obviously the owners of the clubs know it was Billy Bean because obviously the Red Sox tried to get him to come and do it over there, but I wonder what the fans thought of it. I think I think it almost kind of it probably goes to show like what the 
fans would have acted like from like the way that the scouts kind of responded to it all this whole like yeah. this system's never going to work it's all about like the heart of the game it's about these players that are gonna like this one superstar player is going to come in the what do they call it the f- five summit the I don't know where they can do all five things they can field they can pitch oh, they right, can bat yeah. they can catch like all that um an umpire I don't know what the fifth one is but um <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah give me that um but yeah, they think it's going to be this like like the, it's always going to rely on like the Babe Ruths or the other people from baseball who are big names that I can't think of right now. Um, <laughs> Michael Jordan, literally the only famous baseball player I, was, I know. I was literally going to name <laughs> any American sportsman that could like. <laughs> well, no, can but remember. Mike was like Peyton Reed, yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> Michael Michael Jordan did play baseball as well for a little. I bit, did. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's Sp- if Space Jam was taught as anything, it's, it's Michael Jordan. If Space Jam was taught as anything, it's Michael Jordan played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, um, apparently he was going to because I was watching the Last Dance thing. Apparently, Michael Jordan, yeah. the the owner of the team that he signed for, was like he would have made it in like the top league, but American baseball went on strike and Michael Jordan just got bored and went bas- back to basketball. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Like that's the guy was like, he would have been a professional. Because at the start, everyone was like, oh, he's not got it, he's not got it. But Michael Jordan, yeah. me and Michael Jordan, just apparently like was at the cages first thing in the morning and then yeah. would go to a match and then after the match would be back in the cages just every day <laughs> practicing. And yeah. they were like, he would have made it. But then baseball went on strike for some reason. And he was like, I'm bored. I'm going to go play basketball again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fair um, I wanted to just uh, talk about, because you mentioned, we've mentioned Philip Seymour Hoffman. I've mentioned sort of like... Uh, the confidence of Billy Bean a little bit. I absolutely fucking love that scene where he goes in and he's, it's like just after um, uh, both Billy Bean and Jonah Hill's character have bought a couple of other players and got rid of some and they go in to tell Philip Seymour Hoffman, they go in to tell Art and he's just having none of it. And he's, <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah, it's just uh, that that look on his face when he tells him he sold that player, and it's just this. I've, it's so, like that is some of the best acting I've seen. Just in that <laughs> shot of just Philip Seymour Hoffman's face, looking at him like disbelief. What am I gonna do? You bell end all in like one glance, like, and his face doesn't move at all, like, but you can somehow see see what he's feeling it's so good yeah well i feel like that almost sums up like that that like limited sort of like interaction they have but it shows so much like it's almost kind of like epitomized by that scene that you pointed out on the stream literally where they're just they're walking almost towards each other in that corridor Mm -hmm. and you almost think like fuck are they gonna like just have a fight or something in a minute but and then they just go past each other like it's just a really short scene but it basically summarizes that whole relationship of like them coming to heads but then still managing to like almost get past each other and then obviously brad pitt finds these ways around like being like right if you're not going to play my players i'm going to give you no option because i'm going to take away all your other players and sell them mm. so yeah i think after that scene that you were talking about guff where he's like yeah this players are sold and then the other guy comes in and he tells him he's been sold in front Jammed of him it. and it just gets yeah. i think that's literally like the moment where like the conflict between philip seymour hoffman and brad pitt kind of ends there mm. because yeah. it's like Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, I don't have another option now. No. I have to play these players. And you don't get, a con- I don't, I'm pretty sure you don't get a confrontation between them again after that point because like, it's like, no. it's like a bit, as you see all that stuff in your face, but I think you also just see kind of him resigning to the fact that 
he's yeah. just going to have to do this this thing. It's almost it, it's it, it's sad to see, but it's almost like. Because, you know, like, I think you sort of get the element that he's given up when he is like, I need to play these players so that I can get a job interview. Like, he's he's sort of like, I'm resigning from, like, the A's at the end of this season uh, and I'm saving my own skin. And you can sort of see that he's obviously given up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, like, I, almost, I think it is sad that little bit because it is almost like someone's, like, because it's sort of a bit, actually, a bit of a parallel to sort of what we talked about with, like, Dustin Hoffman's character in Chef, where it's like, here's someone who sort of, like, is actually running things, but he's sort of, like, stifling, maybe, or it could come across as being stifled, because if, like, if this film was about Philip Seymour Hoffman, you might go, oh, well, you know, this coach just wants to do what he's meant to do, and, like, you know, he, he, he's the coach, and he should be able to play the players like he wants to, and here's the boss, sort of, you know, going around him and stifling him in a way that, do you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting to see those sort of parallels. Because like you say, like, at the end of the day, he is just trying to come and do his job. Um, and the way he knows, the way he thinks that he should be doing it. So it is a really interesting sort of relationship. But yeah, I think that scene, like you say, you can almost see him sort of going, ah, fuck, like, I'm, I'm, like, I've, like, I've got to have to play it like this now because yeah. he's forcing my hand. And he, Which is a bit sad, but obviously it works. And it's just a power struggle, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, mm. like, He's at the point where, like, he, like, literally, what, like, you know, like, uh, Felix Hoffman just wants to, like, throw chairs around or whatever, but he knows that he can't because he will just get sacked and that'll be it for his career. So he's just kind of got mm. to, like, live in this limbo, just, and just get through it. And he's not happy mm. about it, but he's just, he can't do anything at all. And, like, the, the bit that Sam was just talking about where they cross in the hallway and they're walking towards each other, Felix Seymour Hoffman's the one who moves out of the way. Yeah. And that's, like, the big moment where you think, all right, yeah, now he's. He's just gonna have to, yeah, put up with it. Yeah, I think as well. Yeah. I think as well. Like, obviously, he, he does trust in it as well at some point. But I think because it's the moment where they're getting ready to bat in that twentieth winning game, and Chris Pratt's like put his jacket on and stuff, and he's like, "Haddy, like you, you're going out," sort of thing. Like he looks around and kind of thinks about it and goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna put my faith in this this guy." Um, but I think that is like this this cheesy sports moment. Do you know what I mean? Where he's going, like it's that thing of going, "Why is he?" picked him like obviously I'm presuming he's not the best batter because he's yeah. not expecting to go out and bat because he's gone and put his jacket on and stuff mm. so it's that moment of him just going oh yeah I'm going to believe in this guy and I think that is obviously that is what happened because it's based on a true story like he did hit that um, well I'm assuming it's a home run that he hits anyway um, doesn't actually see where the ball goes, but I'm assuming he hits a home run. Yeah, yeah, um, it does. That is like it goes into the crowd, doesn't it? You, yeah. you do see it land in the crowd, I think. Do you? I can't, I can't remember if it's yeah. that bit or the the weird guy guy with the metaphor bit where you see it go into the crowd. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that is like the again, like him just going, "Well, I'm 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 bored now. I might as well fully go with it and put some faith mm. in this guy." And like you, as as you can see, you don't get the big rousing speech, but you do get that moment of sports thing someone believing in themselves and just going and doing it but i was watching that bit and i was thinking was he supposed to hit the ball there or was he just supposed to walk i think it was i think it was supposed to be a, a thing because the thing is like he, his good thing is that because they said the commentator makes a point of saying like oh yeah he's got really good like on on base yeah like yeah. walk rate so he does get onto first base so i yeah. thought i felt like that was almost philip seymour hoffman going like fuck it, we need runs. Yeah. I'm going to have to put someone out there who can get at least a first... Because if you can get someone to go to first base, 
all I need then is someone else to hit the ball far enough for him to make the run yeah. round and get so, me a run. So I'm presuming because we were talking about this because I was like, I don't really understand baseball that much, and we we're talking about on the stream where like if you don't swing, yeah. it's not like a strike. And if the, if you don't swing four times, what you just get to walk to first base? Is that how that works? No, I think it, the thing is, I think it's got to be in a certain. So it's the ball. If the ball comes within a certain, like you imagine, like a, a rectangle in front of them. If yeah. the ball comes in that area, regardless of whether they swing or not, it's a strike. Okay. But if it's outside of there and they swing, it's a strike. Which is why some people don't swing because then if they don't swing, that's when it's a ball. But if you can get them to swing while it's outside of that rectangle, it yeah. counts as a strike regardless. So oh, okay. it's essentially, it's 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 kind of like, if they don't swing, there's a chance it's going to be a ball, but if they go for like a straight, but that's why they do all these things like curve balls yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's outside of that area of a strike, but if you can get someone to swing for yeah, it. Yeah, because they think it's coming into where yeah. they have to hit it sort of thing. Which which is why I think like they show a picture of that guy who, who like stands almost like a samurai, like squatted, holding the bat up straight like yeah. that. Because it's so awkward to kind of hit his like his area there, yeah. so I think that's why he gets like gets to first base a lot quicker because it, they have to throw it in a weird way in order to even get it. It puts close them to off him. their game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, that's it. It kind of feels like that's not what Brad Pitt's supposed to be doing there. Yeah, <laughs> like he's smashing a home run, but yeah. he just kind of like goes for it and you know smash it out of the park. He does. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's, that's, that goes to show like the shock that's on everyone's face where they're just like. What I the love fuck? that shot. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's one of my favorite shots. Mm. I think that's my favorite shot in the film. Honestly, I, I just that I, I just love that. It's the it's the sound of the cracking of the bat and the echo, and yeah. then just like Brad Pitt's head looking up from the locker room. I love it. I think there's a bit where Brad Pitt says like, "How can you not be romantic about baseball?" Yeah. Whereas yeah. like the whole film, or like what all the scouts were saying, and the and the is it the scout or the, the head scouts actually was a professional mm. baseball player. Yeah, yeah. And he who, is who was outspoken the. <laughs> He's out, even in, so in real life he's actually really against the whole thing um, I don't That's know why really he agrees to do the film but he's <laughs> in the film and he's still really against it and they're saying they're taking like, the passion out of baseball they're taking like the the variability out they're taking the human kind of aspect out of baseball and they say that for, like, that's sort of a big part of like, the, the early part of the film and then like yeah there's that bit where Brad Pitt's like how can you not be romantic about baseball there's obviously the bit where Chris Pratt hits that home run there's these like massive moments in sport which somehow kind of transcend the sport but then there's also like the, the aspects of finding value in people who have been disregarded by everyone else. You know, it's saying it's mm. just looking at spreadsheets and numbers and stuff, but they're they're not because like you look at Chris Pratt's character whose career was essentially over, and they've given him something to do based on his qualities. It's um, no, that, that's that's how I saw it. Like, yeah. Sorry, I was just checking. Then it actually it's not even like they've romanticized this. This is actually how it happened as well. Like it's genuinely cool. Hatterberg hit a one one out solo home run that like that won the game for him so it it does kind of back up that what brad pitt's trying to say that how can you not like just when yeah. things like this happen i do that, like yeah I it's the not, underdog story isn't it they're not like, mutually exclusive the story. they're not mutually exclusive like doing something yeah. statistically and properly yeah. and you know well that, that's, what, that's, what, sport. that's what i like about it like he's you know trying to build it all on statistics and stuff like that but then yeah. he loves this sport and he loves like yeah the room the romantic side to the sport and it's even that thing that we like we i think you brought up during the stream up where it's like he's basing everything off numbers and statistics and so and saying to jonah hill like who do we win more with this person or this person it's like well statistically this person but yeah he's still superstitious and doesn't watch the games it's like he, you know statistically in his head he's going 
we should win this because all the stats say we should. But also, I'm a jinx. I'm not going to watch this game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that about sports. Though. Like, I'm a scientist. With sports, I'm like, if something's going badly, I'll move. Or if something's going well in a game, it's really tense. I'll, I will not get up. I won't go and get a drink. I won't do anything. Because if I get up, it might we might lose a goal. If we need to go in the last minute, I'll go to the toilet. And I think, well, if I'm not watching it, we might score. And that's, it's a weird thing about sports that does stuff to people, man. It's crazy. Mm. I must go back to, like, just, like, growing up with it, though. Because, do you know what I mean? Like, because you, you both have been, like, watching sort of, like, football since you were kids. I wonder if it's just those sort of, like, qualities you look like you can't unlearn. Where it's, like, it doesn't matter how much you learn as an adult, you just can't shake those sort of superstitions, like, those feelings, because they're just... They're embedded in you. I can't remember who it was who said it, but someone says, like, it's not... A, it's not... It might be on, it might be everybody wants them actually, um, where he says it's not, is it everybody wants, there's something about superstition everybody wants them, but there's a line where it's, someone's like, it's not superstition, it's a routine. So, okay. you know, like yeah. when someone's like, I need to put my left shin pad on first, or my right, then my right shin pad, and then my left sock, and then my right sock, and then they're just mm. like, it's just the way of like mentally kind of preparing themselves before a game, like they do the same thing day in, day out. It's more like a, just like a high put more. Yeah, like yeah just like sort of getting, the, getting the right mindset, I guess. Um, mm. I don't know whether that's part that's, of it. That's, that's interesting. Um, I, I've got one more note, and that is just the the celebration Jonah Hill does after the trade-off. Like, it's, it's, proper, it's proper Wolf of Wall Street, like that sort of like slow, aggressive grab. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's the first time you see his character show any real emotion in like a well. big way. Because like, he's quite a straight-faced person. Obviously, he, sh- he shows a lot of emotion within that. Um, it's the first time I feel like Jonah Hill is Jonah Hill a little bit where he's like this big sort of like weird face that he pulls it's so funny I like I, I, I was like I've just put Jonah Hill's celebration after the trade off amazing it's all I've got. <laughs> I love it it's a great scene as well it's like it's so tense it's just the way he's ringing these people yeah. I, so I don't know fun. what they're talking about but I want whatever they're trying to make happen happen <laughs> It's it like it's genuinely a really fun scene to watch. That like it's so, like because it is just like this constant ping ponging and mm-hmm. and like I think that's like for I think it's that bit where like you see Billy Bean down and out a little bit and you see him like earlier on trying to do the uh, the trade off with that guy that he knows who's a bit of an ass uh, where he sort of meets Jonah Hill for the first time. But that's where you like sort of see Billy Bean like use his years of experience and like this is why he's got that job. This is why he's you know people like he knows everyone everyone knows him he knows how to sort of like get what he wants he's like this boisterous confident person um in terms of like the business side of things and like that's sort of like seeing him work almost that's like his comfort zone is like these trade-offs and things like that and that's being like straight to the point and sort of almost playing people yeah but like in, in like you know like manipulating him in the way that he wants it um and yeah, I love that scene because it's like it's just when you see someone doing something they're good at, and it's like that's like what Billy Bean's good at, and it's it's such a great scene. Yeah, I, did, I just want to give a quick thing to the kind of relationship progression between like Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill in this as well. Mm-hmm. They're like the first scene where they actually have a conversation. He's like, "Who are you?" And he's just proper like intimidating to him, like scaring the crap out of him, kind of sizing it up, and you just kind of feel like the reason he's doing it is because he doesn't understand what's going on, but actually it's like a weird kind of job interview. Like you think he's, mm. he's just, you think at first like Billy Bean's just really pissed off that mm. 
that he's just been kind of done by this like weird fat kid in a suit and he's yeah. like you know like why I've got all these years of experience and so has every other guy in the room and yet this kid's just said whispered something in someone's ear and suddenly I can't get the player that I want mm-hmm. and then he like says oh you're working for me now and then after that he just completely trusts him like 100% and he never says mm-hmm. like he never kind of goes oh we're doing the right thing here you know you sell this idea to me he almost has to like sell it back to Jonah Hill at one point because he goes like you know, Johnny was like, well, you can't get rid of him. He's, he's an all-star. He's an all-star. And then he goes, who are we going to win more with? And he's like, statistically, this person. And he's like, this is your sister. Like, he almost yeah. believes... Yeah, he's like, what are we talking yeah, about? He then? almost yeah. believes in Jonah Hill more than Jonah Hill believes in himself sort of thing. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. I, I do love their, like, relationship that they just come to have such, like, a trust for each other. And you see Jonah Hill, like, really growing confidence. And whereas he seems quite mm-hmm. timid at first in that scene where he, he does help Brad Pitt like get that deal and does that celebration. You see his like passion for what he's doing as well. Like he's really like come out that he's, he like really, really loves this. Again, it goes back to that chef thing where he's like, I love this. Like I, I really love doing this. And even though it's like phone calls and meetings and stuff like Brad Pitt and Joan Hill, obviously both like really, really love it. And then it kind of comes a nice mm-hmm. circle of like, Jonah Hill teaching like Brad Pitt something at the end mm-hmm. with the with the you know showing him mm. that video and but then obviously the kind of dynamic shifts again where it's like it's a metaphor it's like I know it's a metaphor. <laughs> like, yes. Well, I just just quickly off the back of that, like I really pre- yeah I really like how um, it's still very human. Like Jonah Hill could be very much a bit of a robot in this because he's sort of introduced in that way. Like he's this statistical analytical person. Uh, and like especially at the room with the other scouts, everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And he's just like this silent stranger in the corner who's just being like, you know, he's being snapped at every now and again to like say, which is also a great scene where he's just like, yeah. uh, "What number is it?" Like yeah. 0.3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's like it's really good, but like to see that scene where he's like, "You can't get rid of Giambi, you can't get rid of him," and he's like. You almost, yeah, that's almost like him going, investing too much into his own idea and putting like his feelings into it. And Brad Pitt's like, remember what we're going back to, remember where this started. And it's like, I felt that's really good because I think you could have easily switched that role around where, like, maybe for whatever reason, you know, for artistic sort of license, you could have Brad Pitt going, no, well, this is our all star team. Like, you said it, Jonah Hill. And Jonah Hill's like, no, that's not how statistics work. But I like how you know, it's a lot more real that there's like doubt and personality and things in, in even in someone as sort of like analytical as, uh, as Jonah Hill. Yeah. Well, you even get, you kind of get a first glimpse of that, uh, like following the meeting that Brad Pitt, not the bit in the car park, but when Brad Pitt's at home and he calls him and says like, when would you have picked me? Like, like it's like, mm. and he was like, Oh yeah, you were great. Because like, no, genuinely though, when would you have picked me? And he's like yeah. ninth out of like ninth round of picking so it wouldn't be my first choice it'd be way down the line because at the end of the day that is what he's basing off so it's almost this like he starts being this real person at first well not to me it's a real situation the whole way through it's kind of like oh he's trying to be nice and be like oh yeah you're a great player but brad pitt doesn't want just that he wants someone who can like look at it objectively and say like what would you have done if it was me and i feel like it's almost like brad pitt leaving his ego because brad pitt knows what he's what what happened to him when he hit the major leagues then and everyone else kind of like fluffs him up almost being like oh yeah he was great at yeah. the time sort of thing it's like i don't need that i need someone who's going to be like 
this player is going to do this for us and we're going to get to yeah. the like, championships or however the fuck he, baseball works. He wants someone who's real with him. Yeah. And I think like that's the thing. Like, he's, like you say, he's surrounded by people who do fluff him up. Mm. But then when... Well, it's like that thing where it's like everyone's like, oh, everyone knows Billy yeah, and everyone yeah. like respects Billy. But then when he goes to these meetings, he gets like he gets like shoved around a little bit because of his position. And like, I think he's mentioned it in the stream where it's like uh, you, that exact thing that it's like everyone knows him and respects him and not, but almost he's in this position. So from a business perspective, they can't just give him shit no matter. They probably want to help him out because they know him and they're his friend and whatever. But he is in this shit position and they, it's all business at the end of the day. But yeah, Jonah Hill's just like, because that's the bit where he clearly just goes, "All right, you're uh, you're on my set. like." That's when he reveals, "I've bought you," basically, because he's like, "Be honest with me. Where would you have put me?" And it's like, yeah, it's it's that honesty he needs. Yeah, I, I love that's that. what I was just about to say. Like, one hundred percent. It's that like that's when he respects him because he's like, he's obviously Billy Bean's quite an intimidating person anyway, and this guy's dead young and probably <clears> you know. You know, knows all the managers and knows the reputations and stuff. And Billy Bean probably has a reputation for being like a tough guy. And then you can see how nervous Jonah Hill is in like telling him. But I think that's a moment where you know Brad Pitt goes, "This, as you say, I need it. I need this guy because he's, you know, he was scared to tell me the truth, but he did. And that's like it. Do you know, if, if Jonah Hill was like, a, you know, really confident of his thing and been like, "Yeah, you, you, you weren't that good, man. Like, I'll, you know, I would have put you here." it just wouldn't have the same effect. It's like the idea of, you know, if it's kind of, if you're a bit of an idiot, it's quite easy to just go around shouting your mouth off, saying what you think. You know, if you're actually quite like a shy, worried person like Jonah Hill is, you got, you got to respect that more that they're like terrified to do it, but he stands by his principles and like stands by himself. And I think like mm. that's like very similar to like Billy Bean that he'll just say it how it is. And, you know, he'll, just get on with it sort of thing. Then they're very different characters, but they, they definitely share that trait. Well, I mean, you see stuff like that with his, with his daughter, where he's like, he obviously doesn't want to tell his daughter. Well, he's clearly like worried that things aren't going to pan out, but he's, he's not going to say that to his daughter. He's not like, yeah. you know, he's, he's when it comes to work, he's like straight and he tells people exactly what it is. And he's, you know, like you say, he's very, he's very confident and, but it's not like shouting his mouth, mouth off, but he's very confident. He tells how it is, but obviously when it's to people he care, cares about, he's not going to sort of, he might fluff it, you know, and he doesn't want his daughter to worry and things like that. And I suppose that's like you say, that's that same trait where it's just directed differently. While like you say, Jonah Hill is a shy person. Um, though he's confident in sort of what he does, he's still quite shy, maybe socially. And like, you can see obviously that in his mannerisms, he's not the most boy, you know, confident person um socially so like he does sort of do that and i, I like how they did that because again i think given more artistic license you could have made him like a proper sheldon from a big bang theory where he's just like rude and like has no sort of social because he is this more robotic character in this film compared to brad pitt it, you could have made him really straight and he could have said like yeah i would have picked your ninth and like really sort of like uncaring about people's feelings but that's not reality like that's not how people are a lot of the time um and especially someone who's gone to university at harvard gone into this career um like he's clearly a smart man and i don't think intelligence is just obviously statistics it's like social awareness and things like that and obviously interacting with people um the layers to these characters are brilliant like i, I love it i, I genuinely because i know you two gushed about it in the um 
in the video cast that we did, like the 2011 one. But yeah, it lived up. It lived up to it. Like so good. Yeah, one thing I was just going to mention about Joan Hill, um, like it's so funny. Like the start, like Matt said, when he's too scared to tell Brad Pitt, like first time you wouldn't have picked him. And then there's like uh, the bit in the first meeting where he's like pointing at him and like clicking, being like, "Oh, you want me? Can we talk?" It's like, "Yeah, when I point at him, want to talk." And he just and he's kind of like bullies him a little bit. And then like um, there's a the bit on the we talked about where they're, they're trading all the players just before the end of the the trading window, <clears throat> and he adds like a please to the end of the, yeah. to the line, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, "Did Billy Toto add the please?" Like, yeah. Um, and then there's another bit where the the bit where we really like where they they trade um, is it Jombie in front of um, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 Art, and there's he does like a little sarky thing. He's like, "You want me to sh- shut this door?" Yeah. And you can see at that point he's just like he's got a bit cocky now, he's got a bit confident in what he's doing. Yeah. Um, oh see that's interesting. I, I, I don't naive. interpret I, I saw it as like I saw it as like he's still afraid. Because yeah. like he's he's a bit more confident around Billy Bean because he knows his sort of limits a bit and he knows him a bit better. But art has been probably nothing but semi aggressive in every interaction he's seen him because he's probably like you know, he's never been he's never been on board with the whole thing and he's probably only ever been around him when Billy's been around, so he's probably just only ever seen this antagonist. Uh, yeah, so I, I just definitely. thought of that as like, I, yeah, I saw that as sort of like, sorry, do you, do you want me to close this? Like, just being really polite. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I interpret. I saw a bit like a Poe Dameron, like, who talks first? I talk first, you talk first. <laughs> oh, really? Sort of Fair enough. You, that's do, you do get the moment, though, where obviously he has gained so much confidence, though, because Art goes like, you stand by this, and he goes, I do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, Like, not like, when he has questioned it when he's been with Brad Pitt and stuff, he's like, no, yeah, I, well, 100% stand by what we're doing here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's brilliant. To be yeah. fair as well, like, that is following, because obviously the bit just before Giambi is where Jonah Hill tells a guy he's been traded as well, and they obviously had that scene before where Brad Pitt's like, right, you tell me that I'm getting traded, and it's this whole thing where he's, like, playing up to being like, I've just got a school with my kid. He's like, just be really short. Yeah, please. yeah. Give it to him that's it and then he does it and it's almost like he's like oh shit billy was right i should just do that maybe and i feel like that does build their trust up a bit more he's like you know what he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah i mean i, lo- I love that bit because as well like is that is it is it brad pitt that says like these are professional baseball yeah. players they know they know what they're in mm. like and you get that in all of them it's like when he goes and because i think that's the saddest one isn't it when he goes yeah. to that guy who's hurt himself and he's like having a bad or i think like he's hurt well, he's, his legs he needs to like strap it up and stuff and he says he's had a, a yeah. bit of a rough first season um first half yeah. so cuz i i cuz i think that's where billy bean probably sees the most of what his scenario was yeah. where it's like that probably relates to his more cuz it's not about being traded and going to another team he's pretty much telling him at that point he's like nah i'm afraid like you, we're just you, sacking you're you done, yeah yeah and it's like that's obviously so sad, but that's like where you, I think you get like a like a lot more of the genuine Billy Bean yeah. there, like as in that's where a lot more like the business side gets put to one side a little bit, but it's still present because yeah. it has to be. But it's that perfect balance of envy and like it kind of shows why he's got to where he is and like who he is as a person, where he's just like, I'm really sorry you didn't make the cut. Yeah. Like we're gonna have to drop you. And but the guy's understanding, like he's obviously angry, and you can see that, and obviously he looks at. The new guy replacing him, which is such like a dick. Bit of a dick. That's shit. Yeah. Now. It's like, yeah, but it's like, but the guy understands, yeah. and it's not. It doesn't linger on that either. It doesn't. It doesn't go all about him. It's. It's just this sort of small moment, a small window into into that business, um, and does go into it. But I, I sort of wanted to just make the point of, I love how, 
in the in the moment where he he sort of where Jonah Hill lets that guy know that he's been traded, he obviously uses a few sort of buzz like he he says like almost like a scripted sentence. Mm. You can almost see that he's rehearsed it, but then like what a few minutes later when he sits Jambi when Brad Pitt sits Jambi down uh, in front of Art and um, he gives him the exact same speech. So it's clear that that's like the skeleton that Billy Bean gave him. He's like, here's what you say to the yeah. players when you need to cut them loose. So like Jonah Hill has rehearsed this so much that he uses it because obviously he's a bit more stiff when he says it. And then literally minutes later, you see Billy Bean use the exact same words in such more of a concise, concise way. It's, it's, like, it's like the words where Jonah Hill's like printed out like a full A4 sheet and like Brad Pitt just gives John B like a post-it note yeah. <laughs> with like a number yeah. on it. But I think it, it yeah. shows like a lot of Brad Pitt's progression of those two scenes where with Jambi's just like, yeah, this guy's sorted out. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for playing yeah. sort of thing. But then with that guy in the changing room, because he's been mixing with mm. the players, he still knows he's got to do it and he's still business-like. But you see that level of emotion as well, where he's just like, I'm really sorry. And like when they're bringing the other player in, he kind of goes like, get him, it's like, get him in the hall for a minute. Come on. Like, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. You, you, you kind of, you see his <clears throat> growth that he's kind of realized that maybe mixing with the team is, is kind of a good idea as well. Yeah. That's again, like I think those two bits really show like, say like growth and stuff like that. But I do, I again, like I sort of interpreted that bit of like this is like, you know, there's a difference being traded off, and there's a difference between obviously being cut, and that's where like it becomes a lot more sort of personal to Brad, uh, Brad Pitt. I was gonna just gonna call him Billy and panicked and just called him Brad instead. <laughs> so it's like sounded like best mates. Me, uh, you know, Brad. You know, he how you know how he does. Um, but yeah, like it's such a such a great like couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, no, I, like the the bit where obviously they both sort of let the players go or like let them know that they've been traded off sorry is it's like um it's uh it kind of makes you go oh they've spent a lot of time together aren't they you can almost see them as like two partners in crime now like bezzy mates who've like you, like it's it's when jonah hill has become the full protege i feel like he's become he's become billy bean's ward in like every, every he's uh in every way i think i love that bit yeah uh that probably do then wouldn't it we all love yeah. it, and it's a great film, and everyone should watch it and not get hung up on the fact it's about statistics and baseball. I told my dad about this, like, uh, the other day. I was like, have you seen Moneyball? And he's like, no, no, what's it about? I'm like, it's uh, about statistics and baseball. It's one of my favourite films. And he's just like, all right, yeah, all right. not going to watch that. <laughs> You're definitely not selling yeah. it. Really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you don't want to give away, like, what the, the, the story is, do you? Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose. I think um, you can phrase it better than uh, statistics and baseball. It is statistics and baseball, though, isn't it? Like, is, that, <laughs> is that going to be? Yeah, but you got you got to fluff it up, aren't you? You yeah. got to trick it. You got to like it's like putting socks in a in a in a nicely uh, like you get Christmas socks, but they're in a nice box with a ribbon on it. <laughs> yeah, still socks, true. still just socks, no, but presented you, nicely. You no, know, when you were saying like you're like oh you got to fluff it up, and then you started talking about putting socks, I was kind of like what like down your pants. <laughs> so I thought you were going. So it's like, it's like, you've got to make it look yeah. good. Put a sock down your pants. <laughs> to be fair, it's, like, just before we before we start, that that song, like, any time he's with his daughter, he's just, like, a sweet scene. Wholesome, you can tell yeah. that he's, like... I think you've been compared it to Chef in the stream and just being, like, it's not it's not um, forced stuff about families. It's just, like, really genuine, really real, and it's, like, no unnecessary drama. 
Um, you know, like you do, yeah, you do get the funny scene with Spike Jones and his ex-wife. Um, but you know, there's not, it's not dramatic. Um, and like when he sees his daughter, it's not like, it's not like an estranged relationship. It's not, it's just, um, they probably don't see each other and they like, he loves her. He really loves her. Um, and he, you can almost see that that's, I almost see that as like his happy place. Like when he's with his daughter, yeah. cause he's not, not worrying about work. He's just like making her ice cream or he's buying her a guitar and he's like enjoying the music. And I mean that, that lovely little song at the end, like when you sort of hear everything going on, it's the way the, the film closes. It's, it's so sweet. And it's like, so it's so sad as well. Cause it's like, I know she's like saying it in context. It's, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but she's like, you're a loser, dad. You're a loser, dad. And I was like, Oh, that's actually quite sad. Cause he really thinks he lost. Yeah. Like, it's like that really sucks. A bit like yeah. you know, the lyrics to that song are so like pertinent as well. I know like it's like a little girl singing it, and there's a bit where it's like I'm just a girl. Like, but when you listen to it kind of all the way through, you're like, this is his story. It's like it's sort of written for him because <laughs> mm. it is a mm. it is a famous song anyway, isn't it? I think it's yeah, just a cover. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, no, I didn't. But it's it's a really it seems like a really weird like if you said we're making a sports film and we're putting this song in it. You'd be like, that's mm. totally quite odd, but it, it's still kind of perfect. When's it set? Sorry. When's it set? Sorry. This film, two thousand two. Uh, yeah. Is it two thousand two? I thought was, I thought it was older for some reason. Like in my head, it's like the eighties, and I'm like, nothing look, looks eighties about it. It's a black reason it. Yeah, I was like, gives it away. <laughs> yeah. In like, I don't know. There was some. I think it's the old TVs that were throwing me off. I forget that in 2002 there's still probably a lot of those TV sets <laughs> knocking about. Yeah, uh, yeah that'll do. Go and watch Moneyball. Uh, you probably already watched it if you listen to this, I suppose. Um, but let everyone else know about Moneyball. Uh, spread the word. Spread the word. Uh, next, what's next, Matt? Spread the word. Remember. Spread the sheets. Biopics next. Biopics next. Yep. So there'll be a poll out probably the same time as this. Podcasts. So yeah. Get voting. Anything else going on? Um, loads of stuff. Um, we've Good. got, if you're into your sports, me and Rob have a new gaming series coming out um, called All or Something, where we play Madden 20 um, and see who's better. Uh, that's going to be a little bit different. Um, so check that out. The first episode will be out tomorrow. And that'll be weekly for, I don't know, however many episodes we've actually ended up doing. I've not I've only edited one at the moment, so I don't know how long we'll go on for. Depends how many. We're playing best of five, so it depends how many. Um, who wins what and stuff. And live stream tomorrow. Well, same day as this, if Rob edits this for Monday. 6.30, playing Hitman. And Wednesday, lunchtime, playing Cuphead at 1pm. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, every day in June, I'll be releasing a video where I play a different Overwatch hero. So that's, yeah, that's every day. So I've got my work cut out for me <laughs> doing that. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll, so yeah, you'll get two videos, a podcast and a poll tomorrow. Oh, and a live stream. So there you go. If you want to have a real film day tomorrow, you, you can do. Oh, and Bonfire to Boss will be out on what one of those days, Friday, I think, next week. So, yeah. <laughs> Can we insert, like, Wong from Endgame being, like, 
Why did you want more, more people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could ask for anything more. Could ask for less, maybe. Can I ask you to do that Doom video? No. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Have you edited your footage yet? No. Well, maybe. I'm waiting for yours. I'm waiting for your footage. Well, no, you need to edit yours first, surely. No, I'm blending them together. Have you edited yours down at least to the good bits? No. Do that. And then I'll watch it. No, because I'm, I'm waiting for yours so I can, well, no, like, but you see can what edit works the, together. You can edit the crap bits out where you just go, yeah, that's rubbish, that bit. Um, I have a process. That's what I do for Bonfire's Boss, and it works very well. It's a well. process. It's uh, a well, process. It's a process. process. Yeah, yeah well, process. me and you are different people, so... It's a process. All right, don't keep... <laughs> don't your knickers in a twist. <laughs> that's, I hate that. That's such a shite way of shutting it, like, a thing down, just be like, oh, all right. We've been hysterical, are we? Yeah. Uh, we can carry this argument on after the recording <laughs> shot, I suppose. Yeah, cut this, cut this, cut this. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.